Bali Coffee specializes in light roasted single origin coffees, but once a year, the darkness takes over. Introducing the Darkest Day Halloween Roast, a blend of specialty beans roasted darker than any other offering we have ever done in the past. Available now at follycoffee.com. Only available in October. Don't miss out. Hey, this is Rob. This is episode 52 of the Folly Coffee Podcast. Let's get it brewing. Hello, Luke Peters. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm better. No, I'm talking to you, Rob. I miss you. <laughs> okay. How are you doing, buddy? I'm good. How are you? I am sitting here with I'm not sitting here. This is a Zoom uh this is a Zoom podcast. This has been the first one in a while since quarantine hit, but Luke is based out of LA and so this episode is uh going to be a Zoom session. But Luke and I, this is the weird portion of uh the episode where I talk third person even though you're on the other end of here. But Luke and I went to college together. Uh he is what do you call yourself? A comedy writer. Uh you've you've interned for Fallon, you've done comedy. Yeah, I'd say an as- aspiring uh, <laughs> comedy writer, considering that nobody, nobody's doing that right now. And it's, uh, it's a great year for entertainment. Don't. Yeah, that's right. Good vibes only, as we say in California. Well, so I'm going to do what I. I'm sure you appreciate that anyone who learns your 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 comedy writer is a uh, so uh, make me laugh. Okay, all right. That's that's a good. That's sweet. so you're a funny guy, huh? Yeah, you know, I, do you think that? Well, I'm, I'm sure this doesn't happen to Kirk Cousins, but do you think if you were an NFL quarterback, people would ever walk to you, up to you and be like, "Throw it, throw, this, throw a ball right now"? Not this year. I don't think That's anyone true. expects that out of the year we're having so far. Um, fair. Which um, I know. Okay, here's my here's my go to joke uh, when people say make me laugh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, my my uncle uh, actually owns a pumpkin patch. It's pretty tough business. Not that many people need their pumpkin repaired. Wait, what? Wait, listen okay, out. Listen how long this laughing goes. It really bothers me. Like, who recorded that audio? I was like, no, no, a couple more seconds. I think what's disturbing about it is it would make sense if the initial laugh was really hard that somebody was trilling on the end. But like, what? Who is this person that they like? laugh a little bit but a long time moderate laughter long time it's what we all go for but i wanted to have you yeah. we kind of talked uh, caught up a little bit yesterday just over the phone and i wanted to talk to you because i i find people really interesting they kind of just like all of a sudden one day you're in wisconsin and i'm like what are you doing in wisconsin and you're like oh i got a grant to write and so i am just fishing every day and writing and then all of a sudden another day you're like, oh, I'm going out to L.A. I was like, oh, what, you got, got something out in L.A.? And you're like, no, I'm going to, out to L.A. It's where I should be. And I find that lifestyle to be more intriguing to me uh, than what a lot of people will do. And so I wanted to catch up and use this as an excuse to catch up on the podcast. But also I awesome. think some of the stuff you've done is really cool uh, and catching up on that as well. And so I alluded to it already. But when we were going to school together, you – Intern for Fallon, and yeah. then out of college. What's it been like since then? Because that that would have been 2013. Man, it's crazy. I know that's everybody's response to when you say, "What was it like since?" And they say a date, and then your your response is, "Wow, I can't believe it's been that long." But I really can't believe it's been that long. Um, 
It's been fun. I don't know. I've had a great time, uh, ups and downs, but like, it's just, like you said, it's fun to go on a, a different type of journey than I think like a lot of our classmates and maybe a lot of people, uh, in it, like just let's call them uh, finger quote industries do. Um, so yeah, I, I knew I wanted to pursue comedy and writing and I had no idea like what that meant or where that would be, or I didn't know what my voice is, you know, uh, I did improv in, in college and, and was always trying to be a funny guy, but it's like, it's not really something you can get paid to do. You maybe get a free beer every once in a while uh, at certain bars, but that's not really a viable way to live. So uh, after interning at Fallon my junior year, I was like, oh, maybe that'd be cool. Maybe be a New York kind of guy. I don't know what that means. I don't maybe just <laughs> go to New York and ride around in the subway or something. And um kind of my mentor sort of person that I uh, worked for when I was there. I got on the phone with him one day. He's like, well, I mean, what do you want to write? And I was like, oh, it's a, I wish I would have been prepared for that question. I don't know. He's like, maybe you should just take a little bit of time and just do comedy and try stuff out and see what your voice is. Because in my mind at the time, I was like, oh, I'll definitely be like a, a satirist. Like, oh boy, do I understand politics. <laughs> and certainly enough to make uh, astute and hilarious comments about them people uh, generally go to 22 and 23 year olds for all their political commentary oh yeah that's the world <laughs> that you want <laughs> it's that's 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 really funny that you say that too because i think about what every 23 year old thinks and i'm like oh it's just so funny that we all like become that way oh at that age you're like i get it now yeah I've, i i get the world i've seen it all and mike people need to understand that i get it i have the solution i know how this stuff works people need to listen to me and yeah. now just at 29 i look at 23 years like oh my god they they did <laughs> unfortunately the quote i think most of when i look at myself at 22 or 23 is the mike tyson uh that like everybody got to play until you get punched in the face <laughs> I, that's a great quote ah oh, man i love that guy have you ever seen his show the mike tyson mysteries yes he had an animated tv show it's so it's so crazy but i love it norm mcdonald plays a pigeon which is just that's a dream role if you can Mike get Tyson's it Tyson's a fascinating character i was listen- really interesting guy he, i was listening to his some of his like I, I don't even know where i was listening to uh an interview of him but it was like when he was 13 years old the dude that ended up being his boxing trainer adopted him by the way, oh one of the gosh. world's greatest boxing trainers, also a hypnotist. So he brings in a 13-year-old that happens to be one of the most physically gifted dudes naturally and is like a hypnotist and like mastered the psychology of an athlete and created Mike Tyson as he is or was when he was world champ. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I really cool. <laughs> uh, Yeah, I didn't really have an experience like that when I was 13, but, you know, uh, I was mostly hypnotized. I get, let's see, when we- 13 you're like eighth grade freshman year yeah yeah eighth eighth grade freshman you because you start driving sophomore year so yeah about eighth grade well some i started driving when i was uh eight well you grew up in wisconsin so all right i gotta get ahead of this because it sometimes bites me in the butt i'm technically from northern illinois uh but i have always told people i'm from wisconsin because in college i was the only person from illinois who wasn't from Chicago. So when I'd meet other kids from Illinois, they'd be like, "Oh, which part of Chicago?" Wait, where'd you grow up in Northern Illinois? Oregon, Illinois. I didn't know that. It's been so confusing to explain because then people are like, "Wait, you're from Oregon or Illinois?" I'm like, "No, the town name is Oregon. The state is Illinois." By the way, you have no. You're not going to have heard of it. Um, 
but we have a we have a cabin in Wisconsin, and that's where I was doing that grant uh, writing. Writing, that's, there's a lot more fishing like and bumming around in the woods. Well, because I had the same thing when you tell people from when you go to school out east, and you're like, "Yeah, I'm from Minnesota." People be like, "Why?" You're like, "Huh? <laughs> like, what, do you, what do you mean? Like, what? There, people live there?" And you're like, "Yeah, yeah." yeah there's like cities. Were you stuff. part of a government experiment? And you're like, "No, this is a there's lovely places to and, grow up outside of Boston." It's like, so did you farm? Like, no, no. I mean, I know. I guess technically, I know some farm. Never mind. Anyway, <laughs> yes, I, I'm with you. So, hey, real quick gr- plug: I'm drinking uh, some delicious folly coffee right now. <laughs> this, this nice time, but uh, I didn't. I, I brewed a pot in my percolator this morning. And I didn't get to it because I took my puppy, who I've had for three days, to the vet, and I'm very tired because of that puppy. Uh, we're on her time and so i'm drinking my coffee now and you recommend it you immediately become everything that's worse about a person with a new puppy <laughs> well we gotta we gotta put we gotta go down for a little bit we gotta take a nap <laughs> it's i just don't i immediately have adopted the plural and been referring to myself as dad and that's who i am now i mean we're, i've been wearing hawaiian shirts for like 10 years so i was gonna say i think it was kind of already inherent in you and you just needed a little little tiny bit of a tipping point to be able to lean into it hard you know let's just let's just cut to the chase what do i want to do i just want to be a stay-at-home dad that's like the the end goal and so whatever means i can to take to get there so oh. that's like down the road but that's all i want wait to that's do. It, like, that's an interesting thought experiment is like in an ideal situation what would you end up being that, oh man so i'm telling you stay-at-home dad um, I, you know, I'm not really particularly skilled at anything, but I like, I feel like I get fired up and passionate about stuff enough where give me as many kids as, as we're going to have. And I can, we can figure out whatever we want to do. Everybody's going to be fishermen, fisher people. Just get I don't really know excited say, no, about but, like decks and like, uh, you know, pro- like grout redoing the grout. Uh, oh man. Every summer staying. Yeah. You, you do chores growing up. Like we big chore kid. <laughs> what does that mean? It's like, like did you just have like chores? I mean, I, every kid has chores, don't they? Were you a big chore kid? <laughs> okay, not to, not to sound like old old men here, but like I, I don't know if kids do chores that much nowadays. Like when we lived in Chicago, well, that's because it could make them feel scared. Um, I think anxious. I don't like this, and so I feel like if I don't like doing this, then. I shouldn't do it because I'm not living my best self. Oh man, that's a tough concept to have in your brain before you're like 25. <laughs> well, there's so many resources out there that it's easy to easy to. I'm f- so glad that we didn't grow up with TikTok and Ooh. every. I mean, I mean, first off, this is really maybe like old man. I really think TikTok has been very bad for comedy. I loved Vine, and that first off, since Vine didn't work when TikTok became popular, I was like, this isn't going to work. And see, and I don't understand this this format of these videos where it's like flashing lights in the background, handsome sixteen year old who's like super jacked, and then <laughs> wearing you know like really nice gray sweatshirt, and then they point to a speech bubble here, and I'm like, okay, idea one. They point to speech bubble here, okay, contradicting idea two. There's a pause. They're staring at the camera. I'm like, oh, here comes a punchline. And then it's just a third statement that's not funny. And then it's like all the, the comments blow are like the smiley laughing face. I'm like, is that what we're doing now? Is Here's jokes where without I, punchlines? I will argue to the death for TikTok. I am deep in it. Here's the thing. The ones that are meant to be funny are unfunny. The ones that yeah. are funny are hilarious. Yes. When you... Yeah. 
the the thing that I think TikTok has, I literally filmed an or I, literally, I recorded an entire episode of the podcast a while back about TikTok. So all the stuff I said in that hour long episode is probably now irrelevant because that was three <laughs> three months ago. But the thing that was pre pre the pre ban that didn't happen, then happened, then didn't happen. Oh yeah, no, this whole ban stuff. It I know I've become associated with TikTok as folly because when. It was announced that it was potentially banned. I had legitimately like 15 people reach out and be like, hey, are you okay with this? And I was like, oh, yeah, no, I don't really care. Like, it, yeah, That's I, really why we got into the coffee was for the TikTok. This is all a, this is all just a side angle to become TikTok. Fit. No, but the, the TikTok algorithm is scary and impressive in the sense that like it – Every single thing, how long you watch it, what you like, what you comment on, it will start showing you more of that. And so when you start Crazy. when you start it, it's creepy because it's obviously the demographic super young. So you have to very quickly get through the videos where you feel creepy and then just start liking the stuff that you're in it. So my feed right now is all like funny stuff and it's like business stuff and coffee stuff is like all my feed is. And but you did it, you won. And, yeah. And so once that algorithm figures out what you like, it the thing that scares me about it is that I've not experienced anything where you you sit down and all of a sudden it's 15 minutes later and you're like, I don't recall a single thing I just viewed. Nothing. And it, it was like that 15 minutes is like that. And to, what you said about of like us growing up and avoiding that is <clears throat> I can't even imagine. Oh, man. Like, because I can remember when YouTube first came out, we would uh, we went to a friend Andrew's house. And I remember we we logged on and we're like, so the idea is there's just videos and we're like, awesome. And then it was before they had like recommended or like yeah. top videos, just, just, but there's videos on there and you're like, what do you want to watch? And it's like, oh uh, boy, let's try dogs. And you like type in dogs and every, you know, the quality of everything was like terrible. <laughs> and, you know, now, I mean, I, I watch a lot of YouTube now and the algorithm has everything just so like. I'm so, so tickled with all the things that it knows that I like. It's like, hey, I know you just finished watching this fun video of Aaron Rodgers. And I also know that you really want to see this Russian truck fail video. And I'm like, yes, I do. It's 1130 at night. Why would I not want to watch that? And it's like, I wish I would have had that when I was 13. Glad I didn't well, have it when I was 13. Though. Well, and the, 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 the thing that scares me the most about it is trying to picture yourself at 13 or 14 when already you're so stressed about like what people think about you at school and the yes, clicks. Dude. And then the, the thing about TikTok is it's, it is a legitimate possibility to go insanely viral like that. Like oh, I, like the, the 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 guy, the skateboarding guy with the cranberry juice. Yeah, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, like I already followed I so that cool dude for that guy. Yeah, and the, I already followed that dude. Uh, you know Tom Segura and Christina P. Yeah. Christina P. puts TikToks on her Instagram, and she's been following that guy for like nine awesome. nine months, and then all of a sudden he has this one video just pop off. And when you're a 13 year old, when we when you, that first time you watch YouTube and you see Charlie bit me, you're like. You oh, that's yeah, that's you watch yeah, Charlie stuff. bit me, and you t you reference that for a month, and then another funny video comes. But now, and you you never think, oh, maybe if I make a video, I could be famous. Now it's that's like a really interesting point. Now it, it did uh, seem really uh, uh, unattainable to like have a viral video back in the day. It wasn't even a thought. It like it wasn't a thought. It wasn't like even a thought. People are trying to engineer it now. But what's interesting that just popped in my head. It's like. As as like a you know older twenty whatever you know soon to be thirty year old uh, <laughs> now it makes me feel like oh yeah and especially like with I think COVID maybe has added a layer to it of like 
now that people are doing shows, you know, like we're doing Zoom right now, it's like uh, it makes it makes it all seem a little bit more equal playing field. Uh, and like with how much viral stuff there is and like the idea that just some guy or, or girl or, or whoever can just like in the middle of North Dakota have a viral video and then be famous. It like really kind of evens the playing field of like uh, everybody's in everybody. But I wonder if you're 13 now, if you if that if that makes the stakes even higher of like, well, I want to be famous too instead of just like being a kid. You know what I mean? If I mean, if you're at your school, I, this is just speculation. It's not like I'm hanging out at too many middle schools these days. But well, I hope I hope not now, especially. <laughs> but if you. Like legitimately, if you are like an unpopular kid in middle school, or if like if you if you're not that popular, if you have one video, were you a popular kid in middle school? By the way, not middle school. Okay. Um, I kind I kind of like I think as I grew and just like started lifting weights and became an athlete, I think I like accidentally was like on the fringe of that crowd. But I also I was like I was in choir and I was like the honors choir, so it was like this weird Heck thing yeah. where it was like I was a 275 pound high schooler. But also, like, inquire. So I think it just, it, it was like, I don't know what I, and I, I think it was the same thing when we went to school. That was like, I don't, you know, I was in football, but also in the hockey house for some yeah. reason, and then also, like, in an That's acapella awesome. group. And so I, I don't know if popular is the word, but I don't know that I've ever super cared about that stuff. But at that middle school age, you can't help it. And, yeah. like, you could legitimately not, not only become famous, but become popular at your school. Like, if you have an actual number that you can show people that I have this many followers. It's like a Black Mirror episode. That's crazy. But, and I can't even imagine. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, how was Fallon? That was crazy, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so fun. Boy, it's 2011. It's nine years ago. Yeah. Um, really great. It was especially like uh, so funny to think about it now too. Like, so my hometown. I think it's like 3,200 people now. I think it's like 3,800 when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. My high school like 115 kids in a graduating class. And then, you know, we go to Dartmouth where there's a thousand kids in a class. Yeah. I remember like meeting people like, isn't it weird how small it is here? I was like, I mean that the student population is way bigger than my hometown size. Like, so it was all, it, it wasn't like hard to take then. Cause you know, we're in this school in the woods. Like that was amazing. I, best, best setting for school ever. I, it, so awesome. But the big shock for me was like, all right. Yes. In my mind, I will become a comedian which takes place in a city, a place that I have been to once a year, every year growing up because the local farmers bureau would get a bus worth of Cubs tickets. You'd meet everybody, get on the bus. They'd give you a sandwich. They'd drop you off in front of Wrigley field, watch the game, get back in the bus and go home. That was my only relationship with cities before moving to New York, uh, was still skiing at the time, Nordic skier mm-hmm. in Minnesota. I was part of the problem. The people with the wheel skis, and I did that in Central Park every night at 8 p.m. So it like it's just it's so funny to think about the shock of never having been in a city, moved to a city. I didn't know how the subway system worked, so I just walked to uh, the internship the first day, and I think it was like an hour and 40 minute walk. <laughs> and my brother-in-law gave me a map. This is no joke. It was one of these maps that when you fold it out. It's got like a little 3D pop-ups of major buildings and stuff. <laughs> so like I, I'm walking around with that and I just like walk up to this police officer and I was like, where am I? And I'll never forget the way he looked at me. He's like, where are you trying to go, son? And I was like, uh, the, the 30 Rockefeller Center. And he was like, all right, just take the F, what you know, whatever train. I was like, no, no trains. That's a next week thing. I'm walking there. He's like, 
just go south and then find another police officer in like 20 minutes and then I got <laughs> to work eventually. Um, so it was a great, it was like, you know, great, great experience doing that and just would be around the show all day. Um, I was a research intern, so I was like helping put together packets of like upcoming guests and stuff and then just doing miscellaneous runs around the city, which is like such a fun way to learn the city as they're like, you know, go to this fabric shop for whatever this costume run is. And I'd, it'd always take me like three hours and I'd come back and be like, what happened? And be like, well, it's 2011. Uh, smartphones don't really exist yet. It's something we're all going to look back on and not know how we got around. But uh, and also whenever I would be off the grid part of the city, I just would get so lost. So if it was like in Queens or something like that, just, just gone for hours and hours. But uh, just it was doing that. And then we'd just be going and watching shows at like UCB and uh, stuff at night, every night. And that kind of like fed the bug. Went back to school, senior year. I was like, all right, that's what I want to do after college. Which is so funny because that's when everybody's like doing corporate recruiting. Yeah. If you're going straight to grad school, like getting ready for all that. And everybody's like talking about all that. Uh, and then, you know, I didn't go to any corporate recruiting or anything. I was like, well, I'm just going to really enjoy the year because I know that I need to be working on this quote unquote voice thing. And I think that's kind of my underlying theme is just like, it's for the last seven years, just really figured out who I am and what it is I want to say. And uh, again, that's almost nothing about politics from a comedic perspective because it's just not very funny anymore. <laughs> and so when you got out of college, is that when you did that? When, when did you do that grant where you were back in Wisconsin? Did you initially uh, move back? The summer before my senior year, I wrote a proposal. And again, God bless the school for giving me money to live at the cabin. And uh, I just, I was, I knew I was going to want to write a screenplay about fishing. I was like, well, to do research and then I should probably be fishing all the time. So I was just training for senior ski season and then just exploring all these national parks and stuff all day long. It's amazing. Like mm-hmm. awesome experience. And then, you know, I wrote a little bit sometimes, <laughs> not as much as I, in hindsight. I'm like, why don't I write every day? And I wrote a little bit every day, but, uh, and then senior year wrote this screenplay. It's, it's, it's taken me a long time to be able to talk about stuff I've written or let alone read stuff I've written because it's just, I, I don't enjoy looking back on any of it. And um, the premise of that movie was it's about a guy who uh, tries to save a small town library by entering and winning the pro bass fishing tour. And it, it's like got some funny moments, but uh, I'll never forget the day that I turned it in like going back to the house I lived in off campus we had this huge TV delivered with a bunch of guys and they all we had like an 84 inch or like it's probably like 55 inch you know whatever was big yeah. at the time and I remember being like why do we have like nobody ever watched it and I was like I'm gonna watch the TV I turn on CMT2 uh, because that you know I it was the first thing on and this movie came on it was a directed DVD release and it was I can't remember the name of it but it's uh, Billy Ray Cyrus and Bill Ingvall. And the premise is to save a small town bait shop, Bill Ingvall enters the pro bass tour. And it's like to the T of like, the bad guy had the same name. There's this whole gag with his license plate saying Baster, which is like, oh, playing words of master and bastard and all this stuff. And I was like, how did I not come across this? And how did I like steal this idea? And that's when I learned like every idea has been had no matter how like specific you think it is. Yeah, it's so. like the the South Park joke about the Simpsons that we can't do anything I mean, that the Simpsons yeah, the so Simpsons awesome. have already done it. I don't know how all those guys and and girls that write on those shows thinking new stuff like 
Simpsons is in season 31 or 32 now. It's insane to think about. But yeah, it's, it's just like, I guess the theme there is just like keep at it and always keep having ideas. And even if they've been had, like if you have a nuance to it, like embrace right. it. Well, and I, I think part of the, uh, well, so what year did you end up moving out, uh, out to L.A.? Moved to LA. So I moved to, I lived in Chicago from 2013 to 2016 and then moved out here like the fall of 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, Claire, my fiance, uh, we were supposed to get married in two weekends, but I don't know if people are aware of this. It's not really a good time to have weddings. So we're postponing that until. Oh, cause you guys are fighting a lot. Is that it? <laughs> yeah, oh, exactly. Right. I can't think of anything just, else. No, it's it's watch it's, by the it's, time it's, I release this, it's like not a thing, and people are like, "Oh, this is... <laughs> wow, it's really sad that he took a personal <laughs> shot right there." Yeah. Um, but uh, so but back then when we made the move out here again, going back to the theme of whenever I don't really know what to do, I just go fishing. Um, so we like we hung out in Montana for a month, lived with a bunch of people out there. It's just gallivanting around fishing, and Claire would be like hanging out, swam and stuff, and it was like. It was a good transition from, well, Chicago was sort of a trial period of, you know, just taking classes at Second City and and IO, formerly IO, it's closed now. And I heard actually that Second City is for sale now too, because again, like COVID is just like decimated comedy. It's wild. Yeah. For anyone who Um, doesn't know, Second City is, it's legend because I was in Chicago at the same time you were from 2013 to around 15 and Second City is like basically like a machine in the comedy world there's so many snl people come out of there like farley came out of there it's just when you go to shows at at second city and you're looking at the walls of people who used to be there it's basically like so many of the huge players that end up on snl and some of these major improv comedians and Um, and so many great writers like colbert and all and and tina fey and you know it's interesting like that's the first time like being in a quote-unquote comedy community and it's like so many funny people and it's like awesome you know and had a lot of failures there, a few minor successes, a lot of failures, but it was like just so fun and a great way to like kind of keep working on that voice. Uh, also, remember when we were in that bowling league? Oh, yeah. So we were in a bowling, a charity bowling league. Oh, I yeah. think about this. We we're in a charity bowling league. I don't remember having ever paid any money. How did we, how was it raising money? And we Basically, often got, people would often give us like free food and drinks and stuff. Like, where, how is this for charity? What was the charity and where was money coming from? My two Were we years, part of a my, Ponzi scheme? My two years in Chicago, I can neither confirm nor deny anything that happened <laughs> during those two years. That was, yeah, that was we were so busy, dude. Oh, dude, that was such a fun, crazy time, and uh, it was so fun. Yeah, that's that's one of those times where I was actually planning on moving back to Minneapolis. That's the original Sam Adams job I applied for, and they kind of that's ushered right. me to Chicago. And I was like, eh, I don't know if I want to live outside my hometown, but I'll give it a try. It's you know a couple of years, and maybe I can get promoted back to Minnesota. And, that ended up obviously not being the case, but uh, that ended up being just the most fun time because it took me so out of my comfort zone. And- yeah, but you crushed it. I remember, like, uh, so fun. I, again, going back to, like, having a little bit of a non-traditional path, it's always just such a pleasure, like, going to these random awesome bars. And I will say that's one thing I miss about Chicago is every building is a bar. And <laughs> we'd be like, just, you'd be like, hey, you want to hang out on Sunday? And we'd like, go to this bar and be like, it's a sweet place, and you'd have these awesome relationships with the staff, and they'd be like giving us, you know, free beer. Yeah, you know the corner bar beers. around from my place with Lupe, the bartender. Yeah, that was we, we just sat there for like five hours watching football and just lo- hanging out with Lupe and drinking every single beer they have on the menu. And I went back two years later again. 
if anyone has known me for a period of time knows that I look radically different about every 18 months, whether it's gaining 80 pounds, losing 80 pounds, different, whatever. And so I had like lost a bunch of weight. I had a mustache and I walked in just Great like, mustache. And I was Great like, mustache. I was like, there's no way. I, I wonder if anybody still works here that was working there. And either way, they probably wouldn't remember me. I walked in immediately. Lupe was like, that's sweet, dude. And, yeah. And that, that's kind of what I loved about Chicago. It is a major metro city. It's a huge city, but it has that big town yeah it has that midwestern appeal to it yeah Uh, that was great what was it like moving out to la from chicago Uh, i mean it's been a treat we really like it here so you know being from like a little little farm town uh and claire's from a little town outside of boston which is also a little farm town it's just the the types of farming are a little different you know uh it's not just corn and corn products where she comes (laughs) from it's like five sheep and maple syrup products, which I love. And I miss that so much about new England, but we were both like, let's, let's move to California. Now it's something so different than either of us ever experienced. And it's so funny. Cause like all the people that I knew that had moved out here before me that I like had met in comedy. Not, I shouldn't say all like, there's so many, there's so much jadedness and, and like anger in comedy. And I go through periods of it too, but you know, we all want to be super famous and funny or whatever, whatever the end goal is. Um, and again, I think for me, it's maybe to be a funny dad working on it. <laughs> and uh, so we like would hear from us be like, Oh, Ellie's terrible. It's like, you just sit in your car all the time. Or he's really fake, blah, blah, blah. We've found it to be a lovely place to live. It's like everybody here is happy because the weather is nice. If you meet, like if you're out on trails and by the way, and again, this is my podunk. I know nothing about the world. Let's jump into it. I had no idea there's like mountains out here. It's amazing. <laughs> so like, as we like drove down the, the like Sam around the San Bernardino uh, into the mountains, I was like, Oh, I thought it was just like a parking lot everywhere. We like are on trails every weekend. We're like, you know, you can have like legit, like 10,000 foot peaks in some of these places. And it's like, Oh, that's just nice. Like, I'm glad that this worked out. So it's, in terms of a place to live, it's great. Well, it's I- a little bit difficult now with uh the whole thing with the yeah. whole state being on fire, but well, on fire and then everything else. Yeah, California seems to be the most radical about COVID and closing everything down to an extreme. Yeah, but we're, I, every, we're like all being really good, and it just keeps getting worse. And it's like, <laughs> I don't, I don't know anything. I guess. Well, the, I think part of the thing about the jaded factor of LA is it attracts a certain type of person who. Oh, and there's a lot of that type. I would have to imagine it attracts a certain type of person that's like, no, I deserve to be famous. Uh, I'm the only reason. It. The only reason I'm not famous is because people haven't found me yet. So I just need to go to the city where people find me, and then once I'm in that city, I'll get found, and it'll happen really quickly. And we yes. talked about this a little yesterday while we were just yeah. catching up that it's everybody sees someone who's famous and thinks or you know famous or well known or in any industry it doesn't have to be just comedy or just acting or anything that you see someone who's successful and you go oh it just it it just happened at one point it just one day and there are you know you hear the stories of someone who gets discovered out of the blue and it it, yeah. it does happen but those are the outliers the reality of it is is most people have been plugging away at it and just yeah. eating shit for years and years and years and oh, years oh can we swear I, I don't care. I mean, heck yeah. What am I going to, what am I going to do? Get fired. Um, but it, it's like people, the, the, the idea of an overnight success is like, well, it's overnight to you, but yeah. the amount of work and looking back on stuff and being like, wow, that was 
bad. I don't like my old stuff, but it's like you have to do all that crappy stuff for it to work. And oh, for sure. I think so many people look at something like they probably move out to LA. They've been there for two years and then they're like, oh, this place is garbage. I'm not famous yet. And you go, yeah, where's my mansion? Yeah. And it, I love hearing the stories of people like, uh, like Rodney Dangerfield, where the dude was like, he was like a was it like a window salesman or something, just like a job that he hated until he was like sixty, and sixties when he became famous. Yeah, and, and you just hear these stories of people that like I, I referenced it yesterday. That it's like uh, in the stand up comedy world, it's like most people don't even consider you like a real stand up until you've been doing it for ten years, and yeah. that's wild for someone to hear, especially when you talk to that twenty three year old version of yourself, and you're like, it's you're not good. Like you, you have oh, what it takes to, to possibly be good, but you're 23. Your perspective well, is not. Yeah, it requires <laughs> life experience. And uh, I mean, I think you're hitting so many great things on the head. I, th- I do think that like social media does paint the picture like, well, you can have the overnight success because you can, but also like, what is it? Let's just talk like money. Like, what is it worth? Like uh, uh, going back to South Park does that great. Uh, episode where they meet all the YouTube people who are like, and this is before people were like making actual money on YouTube, and they're like, "I have one million YouTube dollars or whatever it was." And it's like, yeah, it's like Tazon Day with Chocolate Rain. <laughs> yeah, oh, gosh, man, that's a throwback. Um, and uh, so you know, I think that there is an illusion of like overnight success and what that is, but the two things are like, what is your definition and picture of success is one thing, um, which is a funny thing to say because I think a lot of the times. Uh, some people, myself included, will do it. I'm like, well, maybe my version of success is a lesser version of success uh, because I have been down lately. But it, it is evolving, and I, I just think it's all about life experience, and like, especially in in writing and in comedy, like having something to say is is definitely important. Also, having had unique life experiences is really important, and that's one thing. It's like everybody's having such similar experiences in this sort of like online space in a way where it's like, uh, well, I enjoyed like my story of learning to drive when I was eight, uh, driving on an actual road for the first time when I was nine and then driving on the highway for the first time when I was 11. Like, I'm really glad I had that experience. Statue limitations is up. I don't think I get in trouble for that, but like, I don't know. I, it, it took me a while to, to like realize like, no, it's okay that I like had a pretty podunk growing up and, have had weird experiences like they're the most valuable thing for me in terms of what I value comedically and also like making me who I am so uh I've had a lot of that in the last seven years and like LA has been a delightful version of that of, of Claire and I having had some crazy quintessential California experiences that have been super fun <laughs> you were telling me about the person you lived with when you moved out there at first yeah so we live with the lady off Craigslist as one often does and as one never experiences success with. By, by the way, I, fair. I did not realize that it was like a crazy thing to live with somebody off Craigslist because that's what I did in Chicago and I told someone, I was like, how'd you meet your roommates? I was like, I don't know if I'm on Craigslist and they're like, are you serious? And I'm like, is that not what people do? <laughs> it's The thing is like, you had a good experience with it. I know some other people that have, and I just know so many people that have had terrible experiences and it's like, I guess that's what often happens, but mm-hmm. We live with a, a, a wild, uh, I'll, I'll be polite and say it was definitely different. Her <laughs> cats were on a raw food diet because that's what lions eat in the wild. And as we all know, a house cat is just a small lion, right? There's no differences there. Mm-hmm. 
So it'd be all this raw turkey all over the house and it has to be warm because uh, as she alleged, you know, cats, they only eat warm stuff. Uh, even though in my experience with outdoor stuff, I think the way that like a mountain lion eats is they kill stuff and then they stash it and come back to it. I wasn't going to bring this up. This is oftentimes in California, you find that people are interested in <laughs> you aren't talking gonna mount without your, listening. You weren't going to mount your jungle lion knowledge against her. <laughs> Well, actually, ma'am. But uh, and then she she said that she had ESP and uh, would, would talk with the cats, and that one of the cats was a spirit of a cat that has followed her her whole life, and uh, it was seventeen years old. This current iteration of the cat. This is really it's sad, but it was it was really well. But that's what funny. she wrote in the Craigslist uh, ad, and you responded. Yeah, it's like seeking seeking spirits to transfer cat into, or seeking bodies to transfer cat spirit into. And then, you, and then into. you saw the rent, and you're like, "What well, that rent? You bet you, I, you, what, you bet your ass I can read a cat's the mind." The LA spin is like, "Well, I might get murdered, but the location is really hard to beat." <laughs> I fear for my life, and there's raw turkey meat everywhere. But look at the view. She so she this one cat was 17, and she's like, "I would never keep him alive unless I knew it was his time to go, and I'll know because he'll communicate it to me." And no joke, when this cat would meow, I swear it was just straight up articulating the word "ow." Like it would like, it was so brittle and and decrepit. And you'd like walk around and be like, "ow, ow," and I'd be like, "Ooh, that, that's a human speak for I'm in pain." <laughs> I don't have ESP, but that cat is telling me it might be the time to go. So we, we lived with her for a while. Actually, you know what's really funny. Uh, Again, I don't. I mean, I don't know how you're supposed to like talk about people. I don't, we don't have a relationship with her. No, we don't see her. She was she was pleasant enough. It just wasn't ideal for a couple that's been dating for five years at that point to have roommates again. But we also live with this guy, um, who, again, this was like our our first month in LA. She had another roommate who was also a Craigslist guy, and and we didn't meet him. We met her. She was the the homeowner. Really nice house, by the way. Um. And uh, she's like, oh, we're living with this guy and um, he's a pastry chef model. And I was like, I'm so excited to meet this person. Like, what does that mean? That's so cool. It's so interesting. Wait, so he he is a pastry chef and a model or is yeah, he? Yeah, and she's like, he's a, he's a model. He's, he's, a, he's on a, a visa and he has to be a pastry chef. Um, but oh. like he's an aspiring model. And in my mind, I was like- I was picturing a hyper niche of a model specifically for pastry. <laughs> Yeah, he's got the head shape that's perfect for those paper hats that chefs wear. <laughs> but uh, so she's like, yeah, he's this. Uh, he's got a visa. He's a pastry chef. But he's an aspiring model. And in my mind, I was like, oh, I've heard everybody in LA is like a model, uh, attractive wise. By the way, that's that's largely true. There's a lot of attractive people out here. So we meet this guy, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is by far the most attractive human being I've ever seen in real life. And he'd walk around with his shirt off. Thank him. I thank him for it every day. It was amazing to look at. Shape, you know, beautiful triangle shape. And um, it was like a really confusing storyline. He, he was French and um, and uh, he didn't have bad English, but his accent was, was very thick. And, and our, our paths would very rarely cross, uh, even though we had a shared bathroom, but we just like never saw him. And I would be like, so like you're a chef? And he's like, yes, I, I, my hours are like, I start the 4 a.m. shift three days a week, but I have to be in at 3 a.m. And then I was like, oh my gosh. But then he's like always at the gym and uh, 
it's like a weekend. I just like didn't see him anymore at all. And then a week after that, we live in this, this, in this house for like two months. It's like two weeks in, I see him again. I was like, Hey, um, where have you been? Are you just like at work all the time? He's like, well, I have a girlfriend and um, we're moving in together. And in my mind, I was like, okay, I, I know that you got to America about two weeks ago, but you have a, a girlfriend or like three weeks, however long he had been there. Maybe he was there earlier than us. And um, so he uh, was like, yeah, my, my girlfriend and I were maybe buying a house. And I was like, buying a house? Like, what? <laughs> how much does pastry cost nowadays? <laughs> It's this whole story that just like made no sense to me. And then one day he just like moved out early. He broke his portion lease. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess he just really had to get out of here. Flash forward to like, uh, I guess it's a, maybe a year ago. I'm like, I don't remember what I was doing. And Cl- Claire never says things. You're like, oh, you can maybe see her in the background. Hey, Claire. Just perked up because <laughs> it's our, I'm so sorry. This is our, <laughs> our fun LA experience story that we share with people. And she she texts me one day. She's like, "You have to come home right now." I was like, "What's wrong? Is everything okay?" She's like, "Just come home. I have to show you something. It's on TV. Everything's okay, but it's going to change things." I was like, "All right." And I come home. And uh, have you ever heard of this show called Selling Sunset? Yes. So the guy we lived with was named Romaine, and he's the really handsome guy that the one lady marries. <laughs> who's like a 24-year-old model. And it turns out Romaine was in fact a model. And the woman that he met was because he was filming the show that he's like pretty famous for now and a cast member of. And no, he was like 24. She's like, I don't know. She's in her 30s, but he's like 22. And so it's just like so funny because in my mind, I was like, what is this far-fetched story this guy's telling me? And it turns out, he lives in this mansion. He's a really successful yeah. model. She's like this power resale. For every or, one of those you hear where you're like, this guy's crazy. This is yeah, so exactly. And then it, it, you move out to LA and you're like, this never happens. And then sure yeah. enough, the one guy that says he's a model is actually like hugely famous now. And it's also funny because it's like, it's such a specific type of show that I wouldn't watch if it weren't for Netflix in the state of like, it shows you the things that are awesome. Yeah. And people like this show. And so when I tell people a story now it's just so funny when people are like you live with Romaine, so I live with Romaine. If anybody knows who that is, when that was going on, he's a great roommate. Uh, he looks even better in real life than he does on the screen. <laughs> I don't and, know who uh, Romaine. Ro- if you're watching the podcast, um, you once recommended a haircut to me, and it was way too expensive. But I wish I would have gone with your barber. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know Romaine, but it, it's a delightful type of lettuce. So I'll I'll just assume he's a good guy. Oh, it's, it's, it's so yeah so that was our like we've had these just wild experiences in LA that we're thankful for uh, uh, so again sorry to ramble and jump all over the place but then I worked on a movie was on set just like as a set PA worked for the Jim Henson company which again is like a dream come true one of my best buddies uh, who's we met at IO in Chicago he, and he's he's also uh, I should I say also he's killing it out here He's you'll see his name on writing credits for shows soon but He's like, oh, we need an extra PA. Are you doing anything? And I was like, no, I just live with raw cat meat. But yeah, I would like to come work. So I, that was like my my first gig in, in Hollywood, just working on a movie. Uh, Vanity Fair's worst movie of the year in 2018. It's called The Happy Time Murders. It's, it was so fun to work on. It's a I hard art I reference movie. that in the show notes. Happy Time Murders. It is... Uh, yeah, um, I think there's actually a, a small clip of me on screen um, at the end of the movie, which is surely an accident. But like in the credits, and they're showing like background stuff. 
I got caught in one of the scenes. So that was sweet. Met a bunch of awesome people who've worked on like all the, all the greatest puppet things that we all grew up with and all still love. Uh, and then, so from there I was like, Ooh, man, this is great. What, like, how does, like, what's the next step in for me in Hollywood? And this is something that I actually didn't move to LA for right out of school. Cause I was like, at that time, again, going back 23 year olds and everything, 22 year olds, especially. And I was like, I don't want to have to like start in like an agency or like do this whole mailroom thing that everybody does in Hollywood. Uh, and then I did it at 26. It, it was a great experience. Started the mailroom at a company called three arts, um, which is a management production company. Uh, it's done a bunch of shows that we all love and have grown up with and did the whole thing was the mailroom guy and was a floating assistant was an assistant that eventually became an assistant for uh, one of the partners of the company. And it was like such an awesome way to learn about the business side of Hollywood. And um, did that for like, I was at three arts for a year. And then from there I transitioned to uh, working on an upcoming HBO show that's not out yet and we're on hiatus because we were on hiatus before COVID and then COVID hit so that, we don't really know what the status of the show but it's been a fun way to like move to LA start from ground z- like I was you know nothing from anything I've done in my life before then transfers over here and, and it's been fun to like start from the ground up again and uh, you know I guess my, my long winded point is like yeah, you sometimes just gotta st- you know start anew and the things you've done in the past, although they don't have like tangible credit here, like my worldview has been so helpful in all these experiences. So who knows where it goes next? Am I right? Well, yeah. So with this HBO show, were you like in the process of filming or where was that at when all? So we were just a writer's room. I was writer's PA. So I was low man on the totem pole in terms of writer's room, but it's like, ah, it's the best, best, best job ever. Just hanging out with writers, helping, you know, I I did, you know, coffee runs every morning. We're on the Sony lot. Uh, in Culver City, like walking, which is like where Wheel of Fortune and stuff is, mm-hmm. uh, super fun walking around, and um, you know, coffees, lunches, coffees, miscellaneous errands. But then you know, I got to meet like real deal awesome writers and a bunch of incredible people, and uh, it was a great experience. And hopefully that comes back. But if not, like you know, I hope to transition to another writer's room and then eventually be in it someday is my goal. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, LA has been really fun. Uh, the ocean is a very scary place to me. That's where sharks and octopuses live. But I'm uh, working up my courage to go in there more. Um, <laughs> sorry to do a hard transition, but oh, I've literally seen the ocean twice. I was, was going to say, okay, were we talking about the ocean? What did I just miss? <laughs> There's a there's water out there. It's way bigger than other water that I've seen. <laughs> yeah, but here's an argument I try and have with people that is not interesting to anybody is the Great Lakes are oceans. Pretty much, yeah. You don't see the other you can't side. Can't see across it. I, it's but too still, deep. but still, I think the knowledge that there's not sharks in there it changes the feeling behind that water completely. I, there's got to be something that lives in Lake Superior. It's so deep and it's so big. I really, I want. <laughs> it's to, like, is that the end of your this, sentence? This is not a bit. I really, my whole life. It's deep. It's big. <laughs> it, like, there's still shipwrecks in it every year. Like, there's got to be a monster that lives in there, right? It can't just be lake trout and walleye. I, I guess it's true. Um, I feel like there, there's not even like really like a Bigfoot story about Lake Superior. There's not like a Loch Ness monster version for the Great Lakes, which is kind of surprising when you do think of the sheer size of yeah. those lakes that there isn't more of like urban legends that exist. But 
I don't know. You've never even heard, I've never even heard of like spottings with the Great Lakes. Whereas anything else, I, I don't know. There's got to be though, right? Like, there's kind of got to be. If there's a Bigfoot, which there, I, I don't know. Maybe there is. I'm open minded. And well, hey, if there's aliens or whatever, we've yeah. The, the, the government low, key, like the government low key announced that there's aliens and UFOs. Like they're, they they announced during all of this that there are unidentified objects not of this Earth that they've discovered, and people just like let that be a line item on the news. Like recently, did you see this? Yeah. We have so much other stuff going on. People are like, yeah, aliens, but we got... How is that, like, the third line item for, like, a day and a half on the news cycle? The government announced that there are objects, not of this earth, that they've discovered, that they can't explain, and we're all like, uh-huh, uh-huh, but there's an election in three months, and it's like... why? Yeah, why didn't this change our, our paradigm of reality when we I, found I, out that there's aliens? How I, I need more follow-up information here. I need to know, like, well, do, do we know where it came from? And it's like, no, no, um, case counts. It's like okay, okay, but like the there's aliens. It's like yeah, but don't. That's not what we're talking about right now. That that one, they like they found out the perfect time to sneak it in. Then five years from now, when the aliens visit, they're gonna be like, yeah, we told you about this five years ago. What's the big deal? To be fair, the aliens could very well be here just walking around, and we would never notice them because we're all looking at our phones all the time when we're walking around. Yeah, I mean. And, and the likelihood that aliens, if they, if they were going to visit, the likelihood is that they already have. And there's there's something that happened in Egypt that I think we all kind of know. I don't. Ooh, I like that. that. They say the Egyptians had electricity. The ancient Egyptians, I, I believe, the current Egyptians will have electricity. The thing that freaks me out the most is well, so it's like you look at our civilization, you go, "This is just." This civilization will last forever. And you're like, actually, every single civilization that's ever existed in the earth has crumbled at some point. So who's to say we knew if everything in our society right now collapsed today? If there was a single solar flare, solar flare far and away scares me the most out of anything. More than a Yellowstone eruption? Yeah, because if that happens, we die. And then it's like we're just dead. Yeah, it's, it's you're dead, and then it's done, and you don't. Have, wait, would we all be, or wouldn't it be a bunch of people would be immediately, and then it'd take a lot longer for everybody else to die, right? Well, that's true. I guess that that would still suck, but you like you wouldn't have long. A solar flare, what that does is it, it's basically a giant EMP. It wipes out all electronics, and okay, if electronics were wiped out permanently, you could never put it back on the grid. We would never see each other ever again in our lives. There. There's family. Yeah, that's a great point. There's family members that are ten miles from here that I might not ever see because we don't have a plan of hey, if there's an EMP, let's all meet at this location one day after the disaster. That's pretty. That's pretty wild to so, think about. So isn't you it? Can, you continue to live with ninety nine percent of people you've ever met. You'll never see them again, and that's the thing where I'm like. That is way more scary than any other doomsday scenario to me because it's like you're still alive, but everything resets. And if there's one thing that COVID has shown me like a sliver of is how fragile society... That period where people were ransacking toilet paper... Which, I forgot all about that. It seems like 10 years ago. That I mean, and like toilet paper was the first thing that people thought of? Like, you're worried about the cleanliness of, of your 
you're behind versus out of everything that's happening right now, that's your first thought is gotta go load up on toilet paper. I was like, if people reacted that way to something that, by the way, doesn't even affect the supply chain, like if the food supply chain was not affected by this, if someone's gonna react that way, imagine in a real scenario where like if power in the grid goes down. Yeah, it's pretty pretty freaky. We'd be so screwed in LA. I think about that all the time. By the like, way, if you're talking about the YouTube algorithm, this is where mine leads me. Where I click, you click on the one thing, and then all of a sudden you get one more doomsday. But then you start to get to the people that you go, "Oh shoot, this guy he's he's got a good point." <laughs> and so, if you're wondering if I've talked to close people, are you life, are you are you saying you're a prepper, dude? I'm uh, not. I, that's the I, like I I'm not at all. Um, I once was. Uh, I worked with my dad on a project for a year when uh, I was doing, you know, comedy stuff at night and taking classes and, you know, trying to trying to be somebody uh, in Chicago. And then I helped my dad with this project for it's like a, we presented an ag symposium. It's like about the best types of barns for cattle, uh, which I guess I know about that now. Um, <laughs> But my dad and my dad's a big guy in the cattle industry, so I grew up around it. And I was like uh, I was making video models of different buildings with drones. It was, it was pretty fun. But what we were uh, we were at a hotel in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and uh, it was like a hotel bar. And I was like, I want to go down. We don't have anything else to do. I'm sitting there, and this guy's sitting next to me at the bar. Yeah, it's, it's like a medium nice hotel. Sioux Falls is a nice place, and uh, this guy's sitting there. I had you know drinking a beer. And uh, it's got a glass of wine, which I noticed. And I was like, no, nah, I guess some people go to bars and drink wine. And, uh, you know, some some game on. And uh, this guy just like, I don't know, I was like, what are you, you know, you small talk starts. You know, what are you doing in town? Oh, I'm working with my dad. Oh, good, good, good. What do you do? Yeah, well, I'm an aspiring comedian, but I work, work with my dad. I have a lot of odd jobs, kind of keep paying the bills, whatever. And he's like, oh, okay. You your dad pretty close? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, me and my sons are. Uh, Pretty close. We actually have a family uh, doomsday plan. I was like, "See, okay. that's why All I'm right. not. That's why I'm not that person. Because that person, that's their entire. Th- th- that's the trouble of it. Is the second you start to think about that too much, it consumes everything. Because but here's the thing. This first off, I thought I was like, it's it's like CrossFit. If you do it, you talk about it. I mean, as a, <laughs> as a puppy owner, I guess I do that now too. Yep. yep. But like. I, no, no part of our conversation was going that direction and he brought it up mm-hmm. and I was like I'm digging into this because I like to know about people mm-hmm. he keeps a bathtub full of water at any given time yep and he, he, recy- and he like re- not recycles he drains it and fills it again every mm-hmm. three days um, I wish I could remember the I have it written down in a journal somewhere but he had like a nuts amount of gasoline in a tanker and in his shed like an amount that most farms don't have yeah and like evacuation plans are where everybody goes in the back of every person their family's cars all this stuff and i was like oh my gosh but what's kind of cool about it to me is he was like a it's some insurance you know middle middle tier you know some one of these uh uh, like nice you know yeah, just- suburb of minneapolis places where he probably has a very nice life but behind the scenes you know he's ready for it he's ready for it to hit the fan which i guess is cool if, i don't know uh if all electricity were to go away uh the place you want to go to is the hoover dam because that is the that will be the last man-made oh because you can run vacuums off it the well hoover vacuums. well the that's the last place that will continue to produce electricity without human interaction or maybe it 
Maybe I was... That was if all humans disappeared, what would happen? That was a different rabbit hole I went down. Anyway. So if all humans disappear, you're saying that we should go to the dam as ghosts? Yeah. I don't know where I was going with that one. But the Hoover Dam would produce electricity for 10 years without anybody doing anything to it, which I found fascinating. But I now that's, realize... That's like a Bill Belichick defense. It just <laughs> it always remains in place producing. No, but... Go, uh, the thing we were talking about yesterday that I found really interesting, and, and one of the things that I've kind of learned too is, uh, yeah, I think when you're younger, there's all these pressures of uh, you see a lot of people our age going on the traditional career path, and especially at like the age of like 24, 25, you start to kind of even subconsciously compare, like, oh well, shoot, if I'd done this, if I'd done that, I'd, I could be yep. at this point. JD, MD, MBA, big yeah. one. Uh, yeah, and especially. Like, I mean, I went through this hard when I was living with my parents for two years. And that first year, there's lots of days and weeks where I'm just like, is this thing ever going to take and whatever. But uh, going back to the stand-up comedian things, it's ironically, hearing stand-ups talk about their career, I, I pull a lot of comparisons to that. That's like all these businesses that you go, man, that's overnight success. For every one of those, there's uh, hundreds of thousands of others that just, it's just grit. And I think that's one thing that I really like that you don't think of it in terms of like comedy writing or you think of it more with like the business entrepreneurial side. But I think the, the a lot of people who end up being successful in their indi- industries, regardless of what they are, just people with an insane, like my favorite word in the English language is relentless. It's just like the people that you That's look at, word. you look at people and you just go, that person is relentless. Like I, I know that that person, it doesn't care what happens to them. They're going to keep going. And it's like that type of thing. That's very much you, by the way. It's always been you. Well, and I'd see you too, because it's it's like there's so many things that could happen that would be disheartening. And, you know, being... Oh, there's been a lot. Yeah, being 26 and having to go back to a mailroom would... A lot of people would not do that. They just wouldn't do that. They go, I'm, I can't be 26 in a mailroom. You know how funny it was, by the way, being a 26-year-old in the mailroom and then having 20-year-old interns at our office and seeing the ways they thought that they were better than everybody and... It, it was funny because they, they do it in a way now where I'm like, God, these kids are idiots. But also then, I, you know, uh, immediately it was not lost on me. Like, wow, I was definitely that intern yeah. at times when yeah, I was interning at Fallon and other places. And you, know? you, you almost have to be like a certain level of delusional about where you're going with things. Because when you try to tell people, well, this is what I want to do long term, so few people are able to make it to the level that you might be aspiring towards that – People look at you and go, uh-huh, yeah, maybe f- consider something else. Or like, are you sure? Uh, I mean, for me, I have... Vis- it used to make me so mad when people would say that. And, I, 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 you know, you get over it. But I remember when I was like... I worked as a, a Finnish carpenter. Not Finnish, like, from Finland and being tall. But, like, fin- you know, I, I did, like, framing or whatever. <laughs> uh, like, not not framing. That's... I was a good carpenter, okay? I'll come <laughs> get ahead of it. But I worked for a... a that was a great job. I worked for... Um, he was my landlord and then he became my friend in Chicago and he owned a, a custom design build company, Jacob Shapiro, great guy. And when I was like struggling, this is like my first like odd job out of school. Awesome. Learn a lot of good, good dad skills there. But, um, oh shoot, I forgot I was going with that. That's cool. going to be a point. Anyway. Uh, that was a bummer. Sorry, so, Darrell, whatever you're saying for Anyway, that. the way I look at it is that every single person that approaches you and goes, maybe you should reconsider. Maybe. Oh, is then. Sorry. Yeah. Real quick. Yep. It was like when I'd be, people are like, what do you do? I'm like, I, I'm a carpenter and a, and a comedian. People are like, what do you think you're going to do after that? Yeah. Like, how long do you think you'll do that for? I'm like, ouch, but uh, I'm not really worried about that. I'll get there. Yeah, but I think the 
that that used that stuff used to really bother me when people would be like coffee like are you sure like there's a lot of coffees out there already have you heard of starbucks like are you, how are you gonna what's different what are you doing different what is this and that and it it's kind of was disheartening at first but the way i was able to change my perspective on it that kind of is almost like instead of pissing me off and making me angry and get pissed off at the world it almost like refuels me is that every time someone comes to you or every time someone comes to me and is like are you sure maybe you should reconsider you have to imagine that every single person who's ever been successful has, has, has faced the same thing and the way i look at it is i go every time someone approaches me and says are you sure maybe you shouldn't do that that's also happening to someone else who's in the same position and for every time I ignore that and continue to work hard at what I want to work at, there's another person out there that probably will listen to that person and go, eh, you know, you're right. I'm going to reconsider, especially in something like comedy where it's like such a long process. And it is to the layman, like the average person, if you tell them I'm trying to be a comedy writer, they go, oh, okay. But yeah. for every comedy writer out there that's in your position, there's people telling them, eh, are you sure? And every single time they get asked, there's another person that's going to get knocked out in the process. And it just continues to refine what you're doing. And for every time, yeah. every time you ignore that and almost let it refuel you, there's another person that's no longer a part of the picture. And so part of it, by sticking around longer, is just like a series of arbitration that there's less competition the longer you do it, too. And the, the competition that does pop up is not going to be as experienced as you and you face more. So that that's the way I look at it, that it's like all these times that you get doubters facing you, you go, there's nobody successful that doesn't ha any anybody that pursues something that's a little ridiculous is going to have people tell them that they probably should. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, that's why I love that's, what you're so doing. Well said. That's why I love what you're doing. And like, I just want to amp you up all the time because it's like, dude, you hey, like, Look, 10 years from now, okay, we're going to be 39. We're going to be 39-year-olds that are like, oh, wait. Yeah. Wheels for feet, wings. <laughs> I imagine technology will have gone a long way by then. No, but like we'll be 39-year-olds, and I have to imagine if it's any, uh, the, any of the way I feel about aging right now, that at 39, we're going to be like, dude, I wish we knew how not old 39 is. And there's people mm. out there that get to 30. That's awesome. That's there's, a really wise perspective. Oh, man, there's people that get to 39, and they've realized that they've laid out their entire life plan. And, like, how boring is that? And not to, I'm sorry for anybody that may find themselves in that scenario, but, like, that is part of why I, I'm doing what I'm trying to do. But also, that's my biggest fear is at the end of the day, it's like the, a lot of people don't start their passion until they're 39. So let's yeah. say that let's say you find yourself in that scenario. I think a lot of people measure themselves against what they think they should be doing. And That's a great point. Yeah, and the way I started to look at it as I go, "Wait, who is telling me it should be done that way? And why are they doing it?" And yeah. and very rarely when I ask those two questions, "Who's telling me I should be living this way?" and then you ask why, very rarely does that why question create an answer that I go, oh, I should be listening to them. Usually, I I think it's somebody's reflection of their own life that they're trying to inject their own worries or their own insecurities into what you're doing. And, yeah, and we do that so much in comedy, too. Everybody wants to be like, well, you know, so-and-so did this by this age. I'm, I'm, I've been super guilty of it a lot in my life, too. It's and impossible not it's like, to. Yeah, whatever. So, so I, I'm also not going to be, you know, so-and-so because I'm a different person. I was talking. And it's like so easy to yeah. forget that. I mean, I was talking to another entrepreneur who I super respect that I look at him and be like, this guy's insanely successful. And he's like, 
God, I'm turning 30 next month, and I never made the 30 under 30 list uh, for mm. Entrepreneur Magazine. And I was like, you did so much. I was like, wow, no matter what position you're at, you can always look at something and be like, I should be here. And that uh, shifting your perspective and just looking at it, things differently can change how you... I mean, I'm getting like super on the pedestal here, but it's, it's like, I think if one thing has happened with COVID is it's made me sit with my own thoughts because this year is not at all what we were expecting it to be. And this was, quite frankly, with Folly was like, this is our year. We've got things in place and we're about to ramp up and really punch it through the roof. And it's, it's made me kind of evaluate, well, what is success? And why am I disappointed at the results of this year when there's so many things we're proud of that we've done this year? And I realized that I was like, oh, it's because the arbitrary numbers that I put in place is not where we're at. <laughs> it's, man, you said so much great stuff. Uh, it, well, first off, it's so great to, you know, to like, I don't know, it, I'm not trying to be political, but it's like, it's important to accept that part, part of this process is that there are compromises and, and losses and certain things that need to stop. And like, you have to move, goals and, and guidelines uh well we shouldn't move guidelines turns out that's maybe the reason that we're postponing stuff longer and longer <laughs> but my point being like yeah it sucks name somebody who isn't like having at least a delay let alone the terrible effects that are happening this year and it's good to like to not be too hard on yourself but also to like use it as a period of analysis and like well this was going to be the year whatever when we go back to it it will still be the year and i won't have just press pause and made no progress until then I will be, you know, refining my ideas, refining, you know, you know, keeping the business moving, like whatever it is. And like, it's good to do that instead of just be like, yeah, well, either it's not happening or it is happening. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's yeah. so good to, to take that step back and be able to do so. And again, who knows if they're now be like, man, we're so stupid. We thought we were able to look at stuff then, but I'm sure we'll look back at this and be like, I can't believe I thought I knew what I was talking about at all. And that's, but yeah. that's, that's how I always view myself at this point, because like I went through a period where I thought I was that guy. I thought I like, I thought I had it figured out at 24 and like, I'll just whatever. But you I think if you always approach life that you're like, I legitimately don't know completely what I'm doing at all times, but I'll work really hard. And as long <laughs> and, and yeah, it's that's that's a conversation I had with Jeff that I was like, if you ever are worried about calling me out on something, always keep in mind that I'm not really sure what's going on. Like mm. I, I said this pre COVID and I do feel like this has prov- proven my point a little bit. I was like, Jeff, everything's made up, not just with folly, but everything. I was like every single rule that's ever been made, someone made imposter syndrome man we all have it and it's like there's no way to be you know you just gotta do whatever it is like we we all we all set these barriers and it's like just just get rid of them and just do your thing you know and that's been one cool thing about this podcast is i've had some guests that like i look at and i'm just like wow can't believe i'm sitting across from you right now like this is crazy that we're talking and you realize that they have the same thoughts and that the people that you look at that you go they've got it figured out they don't have any of these thoughts they don't have these doubts that it's like no but then on the flip side of that you also realize that you go oh this person is 10 years ahead of me in terms of how long they've been working in the industry and there's the general takeaway I get from a lot of these conversations I have is it's very rarely like some secret formula or some secret thing that they figured out. It's like, no, I just, just continued to get better at what I did. And yeah. I'm just doing it. It just, it catches like it catches up with you that if you work really hard at something, you legitimately care about it. 
and you're being genuine in what you're pursuing, it's gonna it like that combined with just the amount of time, it's going to get out, and it's like yeah, and yeah. So it, that's kind of like Is my it, whole soapbox thing, but it's it's kind it, of it reminds me of a quote one of my uh, uh, high school ski coaches had, which is racing or. Uh, training doesn't make a racer racing makes a racer which meant nothing to me at 16 but it, it's like it's just so much deeper to me now where it's like you, know, you just got to get in there and do the thing a bunch and eventually it'll it'll work if you keep doing it uh you know like you just got to get the reps in and it's not just like talking about something you want to do or like thinking about what you want to do those are important things but it's like doing what you want to do just do it you know yeah which would be a great like if you had a like imagine if that was like a company slogan slogan like just do it I can, can we do you want that one? You I'll, should. I'll reach out to my trademark lawyer. Um, I mean, oh, yeah, I bet you get that for a simple Bitcoin or two. Yeah, the, I don't know that my lawyer would be the best person to take that one on, but because uh, I don't even know if he's technically my lawyer, it's the person that I paid to tra- file our trademark. Uh, Was it Bob blah 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 blog? <laughs> Bob blah blah blah. <laughs> trademark <laughs> lawyer. No, but it's it is interesting that it's like. It, it's it's I, I enjoyed talking to people like you where it's just like I think a lot of people want they let where they're at and being able to show people where they're at influence their decisions more than like but is that where I want to go they mm. they value the external validation of look what I've done versus yeah. the but th- so it's like you almost need to have a long-term vision that people might go, you're a little bit crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be comfortable on your skin is a big thing. Oh, man, it's so interesting. You know, I think back to uh, – and I don't know if you talk about your football career much on the podcast, but you're a very – you had a good, very good college football career, and you're like – you're the stud. You're one, one of the studs. I would say you're the stud. You're, you're always – my stud the moment i said it i regretted saying my stud but you are my stud no um, but you're like you're man you you killed it you had a great career senior year especially is like really good i'll never forget like uh we we'd get lunch off after uh i guess it was after that history class or senior fall yeah, off yeah. Get lunch i'll never forget i mean what'd you weigh senior year i was like 280 it's just like so much work to have that much weight on and i remember one time we were at subway and you had you got like two foot longs and and you're like I had to eat both. I, I remember the, what the exact quote was, but you were like so tired of eating. Yeah, and it's like just one of those moments. Like, oh man, people don't know what it takes to like do the thing. And it's like, in addition to all the work you would do with football, like all that time you would spend eating and extra meals. <laughs> it's just like it's awesome. Like you obviously enjoyed football, but it's is is cool for you in the moments to be like, I'm so excited to be done eating yeah and then when your football career is down like you immediately started to lose a bunch of weight and you just were like so happy like that's just great you know, we're playing when you're playing rugby and stuff you and walk stuff. walk upstairs and not breathe heavy was an awesome feeling <laughs> yeah man so it's just fun to think about like you know that's that sort of the same awareness that you had then that, that keeps you going forward now of like yeah it's what i'm doing but here's what i want to do and like I'm just so proud of you for how things are going. I appreciate you, you man. doing what you want to do now. Uh, yeah, but yeah, and that's and uh, it's like I at this point we're like still super super small. We're almost coming up on three years in, great, into great it. stuff though. I talk and, about it all the time, but it's cool because it's like the more work you put into something, it's going to get better. And it might be frustrating, I would imagine, something like comedy writing because it's like with coffee, if we're growing, it, there's numbers, there's tangible things to be able to say we're doing this better, we're doing that, whatever. 
uh, but with comedy writing, it's kind of like very opinion based. And so what's that like in terms of like, do you have a way of being like, I'm getting better or? It's a good point. I mean, I guess the tangible result would be like once I, you know, hopefully uh, get bumped up to staff writer eventually, yeah. which is like, there's always different level. You know, it's funny when you ever watch like TV and you're like, why, who, what does a producer do? Uh, like having been in Hollywood and like worked for management production company, uh, the answer is like, I, I don't know, producer does a million things, but there's all these different names that are just different writing titles. So yeah. staff writers often like the technically the, you know, the intro writer position and then how that functions is different at different shows. But that's like the tangible results. Like for me, uh, you know, I'd like to, to, I guess, have that happen because then yeah. you're a writer and then you go on from there. But in terms of like before you get that, what's the results like? Just writing, um, you know, you, you send, you share scripts with friends and, and hopefully other writers and get feedback. And then, you know, you take, take notes and stride, but, you know, usually people are giving you good notes and it just takes so long to like be able to, to acknowledge like, although I like this scene or I like this joke, it doesn't work here. And uh, I hope that's something I'm, I get better as time goes on, but just like, it is a pretty subjective process, but it's just like constantly working on that voice, constantly working on that craft and um you just get a sense of it with like i don't know like for me I, i'm constantly working on several different scripts or whatever at one time it's like sure maybe most of them maybe all of them suck but it's like you put in the time and all of them and eventually one of them is something that people are like oh this is a good one i want to send this to so-and-so and that's you know usually how the bump works so um well and that's the ultimate that could turn into like he was an overnight success his script got picked up and yeah but like, it's like yeah, that person was working on this script for so freaking long you yeah know? well on this one script that got picked up i wrote 20 that were terrible or 20 yeah. that they thought were terrible or and i used something from each one and i, I mean the you know oh gosh it's it's so funny when you you know you find out about how much like these quote-unquote success stories of like what their versions of failure and stuff were and it's like you know the, the larry david story is one where it's like he you know constantly thought he was getting fired and then did get fired slash quit and then just came back and then uh my favorite story is like his dreading every year that they would re-pick up seinfeld which is like one of the greatest and most funny shows you know funniest shows of all time not to mention you know they all made so much money off it and i can't remember what it exactly was but he would always be like so shocked and scared and like oh gosh when then i would be like we're picking you up for another and he's like how are we going to come up with 26 more episodes of this crap or whatever it is it's like it's just fun. It, yeah. you know, the ball's always moving and we're all always really hard on ourselves, but you just have to be honest and take those self-assessments, but just keep pushing through, right? Yeah. Well, I got a jet. Uh, I didn't realize how long oh, it was. Oh, do you want to see the puppy? Can I hold the puppy up? Uh, well, obviously. All right, hang on. I have to take off the headphones for a second. <laughs> This is our dog. She doesn't have a name yet. She's a corgi and she's delightful. <laughs> that is. I want to show you one fun thing. Hang on. Where's her little hat? This is worth it. I promise. And this is great because almost all of our. Hang on. Hang on. Uh, I know you can't hear me, Thank but you. this is great because almost no one watches this and almost everyone listens to this and so right now he is putting a crocodile dundee style hat on as well as a matching one fishing cap for the, 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 the corgi puppy Twins. The, the, 
I recommend you watch that portion of the video if you are not currently watching now. And we're back. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. To all our listeners, sorry. <laughs> so, do you, do you want to know, speaking of delusion, do you want to know why I need to get to bed at a reasonable hour tonight? Oh, yeah, that's right. You're on normal people time. I'm on uh, the, the best coast, west coast time. Nah, it's, everybody knows this. I say best coast. It's just only good for football. It's, uh, it starts at 10 in the morning. Yeah, Central Standard is the ideal of It's the right scenario. time zone. I acknowledge um, it. So, I've... <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those things that I'm like, it started as a total joke. And then the more I think about it and the more I learn about how like the gears turn, I go, this is still completely delusional. If I were to tell somebody that I kind of am starting to actually think this could be a thing. But as uh, anybody who knows me know, I, I think that Guy Fieri has the ultimate life. I think he is, I think, if you read any story about him, he's fire shirts for a fireman. He seems to be an incredible person. I obviously have not met him, but everything you read about him and he goes around and eats and reviews like mom and pop places, like independently owned, just awesome places. And I was like, my ultimate goal is to be coffee guy Fieri. All I want is to travel and try coffee and just be yeah. like, Oh, this is gangster. Uh, and so <laughs> I like have jokingly dropped this to a couple of people. They're like, Oh no, I, I know him. And I was like, wait, what? Like, yeah, I was on a couple shows and, you know, you just meet through that whole process and it's like, huh? And they're like, yeah, no. And I was like, okay, so how does that process work? And then do you know Chad Hollis? Chad Hollis. He's a Dartmouth guy. He played football, but he works at Netflix. And yeah. the first time I had the crazy thought, I was like, wait, there are some kind of not amateur, but like clearly not professionally produced shows that got picked up how did that happen and so i asked him he's like well usually it's either like somebody with a huge social media following that they get picked up because they already have a built-in audience sure it's somebody that is like well known already or famous for what they do or they have a famous person like back it up and say that you should pick up this show and so i was like the the way i've always traveled is any new city i go to I pick out the activities I want to do, but for food and drink, I never pick out places I want to go to. You go to the best coffee shop in town, preferably a coffee roaster because it's my thing, but you go to the that shop and you ask the barista, where should we eat and drink while we're in town? Oh, that's awesome. And you get the best recommendations because yeah. baristas ball authentic on authentic recommendations, authentic too. recommendations, and they ball on a budget. So they're not going to send you mm. to like, mm -hmm. you ask so many people, what's the best restaurant in town? They're going to send you to a place that obviously yeah. it's the best because it's a hundred dollars a dish. So baristas will like give you these underground, like best places. And you always end up having great experiences and you're not going broke because of it. And I told my parents about it and they're like, well, we do that now when we travel. And I was like, oh, this is like, this is a cool way to travel. And then yeah. I was like, there's a show idea here that like legitimately, if you could have like the barista's guide be a show where you travel to a new city, love it, you find a barista and you just ask that, you know, you highlight the coffee. And so it's like a coffee show disguised as a travel food show. And that's what I always say about coffee is like the best coffee thing is where people don't know it's a coffee thing. Like I'm going to hit you with some knowledge while distracting you with something else going on over here. And uh, he's like, yeah, so you need, like, somebody to back it up. And also you need, like, a 10-minute sizzler that kind of mm. shows the vibe of the show. And I've got a guy that shot a spot for us. And oh, I, cool. I, I pitched the idea to him. I was like, it's not something I can – I'm sorry because I hate doing this, but I can't really afford to pay for it. But now I've met a couple people that might actually be able to put it into the right pipelines that if we create a really killer sizzler with, like, an awesome energy to it, there might be a legitimate possibility of this becoming a thing. Wow, that's awesome. And with the goal of just like, 
let's get people into coffee. Wow. <laughs> so that's what you're working on tomorrow? We're having the first meeting where we're going to talk Dude, through so how, how we're going to work, work through how to do it and how should, oh. how should we go about it? And like it very, but here's a, here's a great example is if the first time I had that thought and again, this will likely 99.9% not amount to anything. But if the first time I had that thought, I just went, that's stupid. No, that'll never happen. It, it just, it will never happen. But yeah. if you keep doing stupid stuff, yeah, uh, something will happen eventually. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And, and so that's, that's kind of how I view it. And I go, it's a good pitch, by the way. I, 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 I pitch it to enough people that they're like, yeah, it's, I'm excited to hear more about it. I, the reason it kind of picked up for me is I told enough people when they travel, I go, that's how you should pick your place to eat that enough yeah. people are like, Oh, that's cool. Um, and, and uh, yeah, so that, that's what, man, we're, we're working through this sizzler tomorrow on how we're going to, yeah. what kind of voice, because Chad said that a huge thing about shows is what voice does it. Yeah. What do you, yeah. It's all about voice. The 10 minute sizzler has to be the voice. And so we're, we're going to try to like, how can we capture a certain voice that's like attractive and different yeah. and, um, oh, you will. I'm, 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 I have no doubt. We're trying to find Man, that's, out. that's such a better pitch than my pitch, which was, uh, burritos and baristas <laughs> is where you travel around and you eat the biggest burrito and drink the most coffee each town has. And then you review local bathrooms. That, that would be like the YouTube off series where, uh, you're there just eating a burrito and drinking mass amounts of coffee. And then at the end of the episode, it's like, and to get the review of the best toilets while we were in town, head over. Actually, that would be hilarious. It would like be its own YouTube offshoot. I'll ride your coattails when you, when your show actually works, I'll, I'll be the beat of the little brother show. Yeah. And, but it's funny because I think that's a really, it's funny that we're doing this tomorrow because still it, I know I'm being delusional, but here's no. the thing is every person who's ever got to a point, has to be a little delusional about something. <laughs> well, every show is every show pitch is delusional until it gets picked up. Like you know, every, until a show is picked up, it's a, a, an idea that hasn't worked yet. So like, and if there's don't, if, if there's don't, ever don't been, have imposter syndrome about that. Like if there's that ever show, if there's ever been a time to pitch a show, this would be a fair. I think it would be pretty low budget. It'd be easy to film. It'd be yeah. a simple concept. I'm sure they're not filming many things these days. <laughs> so well, I was like, I, yeah, we, I go on and on about that. That's why I'm hanging out in the apartment all right. day. And so I was like, well, if there's ever been a time that someone might say, hey, if you can produce this thing fast, we're it. <laughs> I was like, well, yeah. all right, screw it. We're That's gonna, awesome. So we're going to try that. But no, man, it was awesome catching up with you. Yeah. yeah we're at like an really hour fun. 20. If ever you want me back on, I, 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 you know, I can go long winded about a bunch of other stuff. That's not that cool. Well, by, so. the, by the time this episode comes out, I think I've got one going up Sunday. And then a week from so, so this will probably be coming out a, a few weeks from now. Uh, cool. In theory, our new ad spots will be running uh, with you as our, our new coffee spokesperson, uh, and I'm excited to get that going. And so hopefully that's something. That by, work on it. Yeah, by the time you're on an episode, hopefully some folly people have seen you pop up and recon, cool. recognize the face before they start. Oh, I'm watching. excited about it. Yeah, and no, in, the, in the meantime, if I may do a quick plug, if anybody wants to see any of my stupid musings or whatever. On social media, I'm puke leaders across the board. Uh, it's a nickname that I was given in kindergarten when we learned you could switch letters, and it was funny. It wasn't funny again until college, and then people really liked it, and it stuck. So puke leaders on Instagram, Twitter, and then uh, if you want to see some YouTube sketches that uh, I have been a part of, uh, broom lady comedy. <laughs> with two other buddies from Dartmouth who are very funny guys. Room Lady Comedy. I will put all these in the show notes so that they can find you. No obligations. But 
what obligations? But yeah, there's hey. lots of puppy stuff on the Instagram. So I'll if you want to see my puppy, you I'll can do that. I'll least. check you out, but I'm not here for any obligations. But the best pickup line of the year. All right. On that note. <laughs> All right, Rob. It's been a pleasure. Uh, enjoy. Hey, good luck tomorrow. Have have fun with it. Yeah. Well, yeah. This is honestly- all ideas are good ideas until we're done. So don't, you know, pitch everything. Yeah. And at the very least, it'll be fun. And uh, yeah. And, and we'll have a cool ten minute episode to show people about. Because we're going to film in the Twin Cities. So I go, worst case scenario, awesome. we have an awesome thing to show what we're doing in the Twin Cities and smart promote some smart. promote some awesome coffee here and promote some people doing cool things. So I was like- Dual well, values and things. That's really good. I was like, if that's the worst case scenario of this, that's not a bad way to spend your time. But yeah, awesome hey, to catch up with you. Enjoy. Yeah. Um, and last thing I got to say this, uh, Packers going to win the Super Bowl this year? Probably. It seems so. <laughs> I mean, at this point, it's like- there's not going to be a Super Bowl, I don't think, by the way. Well, and also, what am I going to do? Argue for the Vikings? It's like, yeah, we beat the 0-3, 0-2 Texans, and then their their head coach. This is how you know your team is bad, that when you beat them, their head coach gets fired. Like, Bill, <laughs> Bill O'Brien of the Texans just got fired. I was like, that's, that's how you sweet. That's how you know we're really bad when you beat someone, and they're like, all right, you're fired. You can't get beat by them. And I was like, yeah, that's, I can't really, but Dalvin cook is killing it for me on the fantasy football front. So I'm all about it. Cool. All right, man. Um, so I'm going to say, have a nice day. 